0: 900. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again that all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water? again. Let all who are thirsty come to him. Will you dream deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water
2: Yesterday, after church, I was speaking with a gentleman, or rather, he was speaking with me, and there was a constant flow of words, a barrage of words, and I finally held my hands up, and I said, stop, stop. You are overwhelming me with all of your words, and they don't make sense to me. I'm overwhelmed on a regular basis with words. Because those words, all strung together in such a beautiful design, have no meaning to me. They're empty. My father was a, a rough cob of a man. He was a gentleman, but only went to the third grade, so he killed the king's English. Dad only really knew one thing. And that was that he had to live a holy life if he wanted to go to heaven. And of course, his sophisticated son was well-educated. In fact, his sophisticated son... had been to seminary and in seminary he learned the new gospel and the new gospel was that you were saved by faith in Jesus and it didn't matter what you did didn't matter if you sinned because Everybody sins, and everybody knows everybody sins. So how are we saved? By what Jesus did at the cross. And if we say a sinner's prayer and we accept what Jesus did for us, we're on our way to heaven. Dad said, no, Ray, that's that's impossible that's not right because that means that you can walk into heaven or the angels can carry you in the rapture and you're on your way to heaven he said that doesn't make sense i said dad why doesn't that make sense If that were the case, then Jesus didn't have to die on Calvary's tree. He could just forgive us. No, he said, salvation comes through righteousness, through innocence. And you're not innocent if you're still walking in sin. Well, I called him a legalist. And every time I'd go home to visit, we would debate the question of the sinning Christian. It's interesting to me that Charles Finney, this is why I call this a new theology, Charles Finney was very clear, that great evangelist, probably the most successful evangelist in the history of the church, maybe even more so than the Apostle Paul. It's estimated that he brought more than a quarter of a million of people into the gospel of Jesus, and they were serious, and they lived without sin, There were others who taught the same thing. But I was most interested in the fact that Charles Finney took the position, based on the word of God, that no revival could come to the Christian church until people repented for their sin and departed from their sin. that revival was when men and women honestly turned away from their sin and and no longer walked in it. And, of course, everyone today says that's impossible. Everybody sins. Well, Charles Finney didn't. And thousands of people that he brought into the gospel totally turned their back on all sin and walked in righteousness, clean before God. Now, I had preached that for some time. People got really angry with me. Some even asked me not to come back to their church to visit or to pray. Some just scorned me. Others called me a legalist, I understand, But the painful reality that I have come to is that the scriptures are all about how to leave your sin permanently. And if you continue to walk in sin you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. There must be a cleansing and a dying now, some time ago, I had a dream I won't review the dream with you, but I have on radio and the Lord very clearly said to me, You must enter.' into the waters of baptism and you must become a slave to righteousness, not legalism. It's something that he said would be done for you. And in the dream, I was told to preach Romans, the sixth chapter. that I was to take it apart, cry out to God about it, and preach it to the American church. Well, so far I've found that the American church does not want to hear Romans 6. In fact, they act as though Romans 6 is not in the Bible. They would rather pass it by. Well then I went on and after some months preached Romans seven. And now I've come to you today without without any apology to preach to you Romans the eighth chapter. It's a chapter that is abused, deeply abused. in the modern American church. The American church only knows out of this passage the first and second verses. But they misquote it usually. Romans, the eighth chapter, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And most in the modern American church would say there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are trusting in Christ Jesus. Two very different meanings. It is of absolute import that we read the scriptures and understand as well as you can the English definition of the words used and the Greek definition of the words used. You can Find those definitions of the Greek words in a program that is available free of charge on your computer called E sword. I think you'll find it helpful. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There are two very clear laws. The law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. Those of you who believe that you are saved because you said a sinner's prayer and then you continue to walk in your sin, are under the law of sin and death, and you will die. However, let's look very carefully at chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The word in in the Greek is in the locative. That is, it's describing where you live, your placement. It is describing a place that you have moved into. You cannot be in Chicago and New York at the same time. You're either in Chicago or you're in New York or you're somewhere in between. He's saying you must be in Christ Jesus. That is, you must be located in. In Christ Jesus. Now I want you to hear this clearly. Many of you are in your entertainment, many of you are in your hobbies, many of you are in wickedness. Now, the interesting part of this is that Americans feel that they can move from one place to another and they're good to go. The problem is Jesus does not hold a temporary place for you to live. If you are in Christ Jesus, you stay in Christ Jesus. if you are in Chicago and then you move and you're now in New York in all of that process of moving you are in yourself and you can transport yourself to your movies to your fornication To your pornography. You can move yourself wherever you have an inclination that you would like to go and live for a while. You can't do that with Jesus. Because in order to enter into Jesus Christ, you must die, you must leave this world. You must live in the spirit realm. You can't bounce around. You are dedicated to one place or another. Now, this is not easy because how does a man die? We like to keep a collection of all of our little pocket gods so that we never really have to come to terms with the fact that you can only have one life. And if that one life is not in Jesus Christ, then you will die. Now, I'm going to read for you a portion of Galatians. I've read this to you many times, but I've discovered that people don't grab it. But I say, verse 16 on, Galatians 5, 16 on, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What are the desires of the flesh? The desires of the flesh are the natural evil man's desires that arise in his spirit because he lives in the world and is a part of the world. He says the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So he's saying very clearly there is a war that will go on in your soul and you must begin to feel the necessary the necessary obligation To fight against the powers of darkness that have ruled your life, all of your life. And there are many places in your life where you can go. For example, an evil man can go to church and be inspired by the Messiah, an evil man can go to church and be inspired by a sermon that is particularly convicting. But the desires of of the flesh are still going to wage a war against you. And if you look carefully at Revelation, the third chapter, you'll discover that you must conquer that evil power. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the thing you want to do. But you are led by the Spirit and you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. No surprise, sexual immorality. Impurity sensuality I was walking with my wife and there were young people there for their high school program and this one tall beauty came walking by sensual and she had her red dress a long one Buttoned up so that you could almost see her privates, but her long legs. And she was the center of much male attention, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity strife, jealousy, fits of anger, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, As I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you look at what are the signs that you still are a part of this world, not a part of God, these are the things your mind will be on. You may not act on it, but it's what you think about. It's what you want. And so verse two, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. My dad's answer to this Issue was try harder, Ray. I tried as hard as I could, and I could not overcome many of these things that I just read. I was always in a rage with my brothers who were bigger and older than me. And Verse three: For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh. but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind of the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law indeed it cannot those who are in the flesh cannot please God now let me just simply say to you you do not have the power or the ability to resist your sin it is necessary that you be crucified with Christ that you die That you give up your life. That you give up your worldly mind. And you set your heart and your mind according to what God has given to you. Things of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Patience, kindness. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Look, this is the fact. Where you live makes all the difference. If you choose to live in the flesh, you will not ever please God. But as the convicting power of the Holy Spirit begins to fall upon you, You recognize that you are in the flesh, controlled by the flesh, and you begin to say to the Lord God of heaven, I recognize who I am. I recognize where I live. I don't want to live here anymore. I turn now to Jesus Christ, and I ask Jesus that you would bring me into yourself that you would transform me, that I would want a different life. And I'm going to stay on that place and cry out to you until you do it in me. This is a work of God that he is willing to perform in you. We had a business appointment, my wife and I. And we went, and in the course of the work that needed to be done, I began to ask questions of the person who was helping us. That's something I do everywhere I go. This person began to say, I'll be at home, and my husband will say something to me, and I won't answer. And he'll finally say, or my child will say, why aren't you talking to me? Did you hear what I said? And this person will answer, no, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Well, where were you? I was in my head. She freely admitted that she lives in her head, in her reality. Now, that's the vital question. Where do you live? And what are the thoughts of your heart? Are you a daydreamer? Are you always thinking or have you turned your brain off? So you're not really thinking about anything anymore. I'm thinking all the time. But what am I thinking? I'm thinking about Jesus. I'm thinking about what I need to do to accomplish the tasks that lie before me. And I ask Jesus to go with me as I accomplish those tasks, to give me wisdom and understanding. Where where do I live? I live in Jesus. I don't live by myself. I live in Jesus Christ. And because I live in Jesus Christ, notice I didn't say I trust in Jesus, although I do because I live in him. It's not enough for you to trust in Jesus. You can trust in Jesus and still be outside of Jesus. I'm not willing to live that way. I want to be in Christ Jesus. I want him in me, and I want to be in him. So, in the 8th chapter, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. See, you cannot... You cannot call yourself a converted man or woman. You cannot call yourself a Christian man or woman. If you are still following the ways of the flesh, which lead you to death, those who live according to the Spirit in Romans, the eighth chapter set their minds on the things of the spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh The Spirit is life because of righteousness. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. You see, if you live according to the earthly man, if you live according to the desires of the earthly man. You want the violent movies. You want the entertainment. Your mind is constantly filled with things of this world. The Spirit of Christ doesn't dwell in you. And you will die. That's why I said, where you live will make all the difference. If you live in the gambling house, if you live in the tavern, If you live in the party, if you live in places of darkness, like the clubhouse, if you live with your mind on revenge, on bitterness, you will die. Now, I want to speak for a moment to those of you who have some level of conviction and to those who have left the way of the world And you have determined in your heart that all you want is Jesus. Now, I've been preaching for a long time, years, about this issue. I remember when I discovered this wonderful truth that I could actually leave all my sin and dwell in Christ Jesus. I came to my church and I preached with all of my heart. I was so excited. And when I was finished preaching, quite a number of people came to me. Like maybe a quarter of the church. And they said, Pastor, we're not going to be back. This is not what we signed up for. I want to know how I can be encouraged in the battle. I want to know how I can be encouraged to trust Jesus. I want to know how I can be successful in my life. But you're telling me that I need to leave my sin. Yes, that is what I'm telling you. And if you have no conviction that you could leave your sin, you probably shouldn't be at this church. Because all I'm going to preach to you is the righteousness of Jesus. All I'm going to preach to you is that if you want to be with Jesus, you're going to have to be like him. And I'm wondering, do any of you, have that same conviction that you want to be with Christ Jesus and you, you're finished with your sin. You're done. You don't want to walk in it. You want the victory. Well, the victory is yours. But it will require of you that you accept Jesus' decision about your sin. And it will require of you that you walk away from it, that you walk away from your bitterness, that you repent of your anger. Some of you have such a huge suitcase that you lug around of bitterness that it exhausts you. There's so many people, maybe even your husband, that you're so angry with that you can forget about it part of the time and then you come back to it as soon as he triggers something in your heart. And rage will seethe through your mind and you'll become violent. That person, if that's who you are, are having a very short trip to hell. I'm wondering if there are any of you under deep conviction today. You know you're going to have to leave your sin, and you've been struggling with it. Now I ask that those of you who have the victory and those of you who want the victory we need to pray for each other so why don't we do that Lord there are those listening today who, who understand what I'm saying that they need to leave all of their sin now that they can't play with it any longer that they can't pretend any longer that they need to make that decision face the deep and troubling convictions Be honest about what is in their mind and in their heart. And then openly confess it before you, Jesus. Now, I know by the Spirit that there are people listening or who will listen to this broadcast who are still pretending that they can go to heaven, that they can't overcome their sin, And they don't realize that what they're saying is that your precious blood, Jesus, has no power to release them from the law of sin and death. But Lord, I know by personal experience that all sin can be released by the spirit of life Lord, I'm asking that every man and woman would begin to cry out to you who are fighting against their sin. And I ask that every person who is listening, who has overcome their sin, would cry out with me for the salvation. Lord, I want revival, but I know revival is not some sentimental lifting of my hands and singing 12 hours of music. I know it's repenting for all known sin, turning away from it and receiving a new life in you, Jesus Christ. And so I'm pleading now for those men and women who are under conviction that they would stop playing games with you and that they would make the first priority of their life To get past that sin by the blood of Jesus Christ, not by their power, not by their strength, but by the strength of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I plead for your mercy, for your people. Lord, they've been told for years that they can never overcome all their sin, but they're still good to go. Lord, they were lied to. I know they cannot enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ with wickedness in their hearts or their mouth. That it requires a a total transformation. Lord, I pray Now, for every person who has struggled with their sin, many have struggled and given up because they were told, oh, you're always going to be a sinner. Lord, what a horrible lie to tell another brother or sister that you can't leave your sin. And Lord, some of the churches actually teach this and preach it. Lord, I won't accuse a church. Of teaching this heresy. I just know the majority of American churches teach this lie, and they will be responsible before you for the sin of their people, and their pastor will have to suffer the degradation and the pain of that judgment because they have lied to their people. Lord, I just come today pleading, please release your people. And Lord, those today who will make that decision and say, I am done with my sin. I'm done with my wicked thoughts. I'm done with the bitterness of my heart. I'm done with my sexual immorality. I'm done with the alcohol and the drugs. Lord, will you bring them to victory right now? And Lord, I pray for those today who are hopeless. They think there's no deliverance from their sickness, that they're going to be sick until they die. Lord, I laugh at that. I laugh at my broken leg, my broken hip. I laugh at it, Lord, because you are the healer. And the devil is not going to prevent that healing from taking place in my body. My trust is totally in you, Jesus. And I pray for every person who right now is facing a very painful time in their body with sickness and disease. I know you are the healer God. You are the redeemer God and you are the healer God. And by your stripes we are healed. So, Lord, I come today rejoicing, knowing that even as I'm praying, you are moving in healing power in the lives of those who are ready to receive that power. Lord, have your way. You are the God Almighty. Nothing is too hard for you. You are a God of love and compassion and mercy. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, my Lord. I thank you that you look upon us with compassion and you send your spirit forth to bring life to our mortal bodies. Lord God of heaven, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I want you to be aware. Words are empty until we give those words meaning. Words are just wagons. What matters is what we load in that wagon. You can say, Pastor, you're right. I can leave my sin and then you don't leave it. I have no hope for you, except that you would wake up and recognize the hour in which we live. I urge you this afternoon, read Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's the war, one of the last wars of human history. It's going on right now. And it's going to spread worldwide. I urge you, put your trust in Jesus. Put your confidence in Jesus. Get on your knees or lay on your face on the floor if you're able. And cry aloud to God. Ask him to open the way into the throne room of heaven. And in the throne room of heaven, lay on your face before Almighty God and plead his mercy, plead the blood of Jesus Christ for your heart and your life. And he will answer. He will answer. The Lord is amazing. His kindness. His kindness is so amazing. It doesn't matter what you have done. The blood of Jesus Christ will wash it away. And bring you into such a place of glory. I wasn't going to tell you this. But I had... Dreams this last week one after another with people that I didn't know who were just hating me saying the vilest things to me and then I woke up and while awake very very quietly it sounded like a window opening I've heard it before and the voice of my Lord spoke and he said I love you and such a waft of love came through that open window can I tell you Jesus loves you and he wants you to have the victory And he's willing to give it to you. I'm praying for you. You've listened to Pastor Ray Greenlee on Pilgrim's Progress. I want you to make good progress to heaven. God bless you today. I love you with all my heart. Please believe that. I love you. I know you in the spirit. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.